Chapter 1 of Legends of Saints and Sinners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Geoffrey DeSena. Legends of Saints and Sinners by Douglas Hyde. St. Patrick and the Chrome Dove. This legend, told by Michael MacRidry of Ballycastle, County Mayo, is evidently a confused reminiscence of Chrome Curach, the great pagan idol who was overthrown by St. Patrick. Though Chrome appears as a man in the story, yet the remark that people thought he was the lord of light and darkness and of the seasons is evidently due to his once supposed godhead. The fire, too, which he is said to have kept burning, may be the reminiscence of a sacrificial fire. From a letter written to Sir Emmanuel Ferguson by the late Brian O'Looney concerning Mount Callan in the County Clare, we see that this legend of Chrome was widely circulated. Domnach Lunasa, or Lamas Sunday, says O'Looney, the first Sunday of the month of August was the first fruits day and a great day on Boiling Agrini, on Lamas Sunday called Domnach Crom Duf, an anglicised Garland Sunday. Every householder was supposed to feast his family and household on the first fruits, and the farmer who failed to provide his people with new potatoes, new bacon, and white cabbage on that day was called a Felamor Agueca, or wind farmer. And if a man dug new potatoes before Chrome Dove's day, he was considered a needy man. The assemblage of this day was called Cochinial Chrome Dove, or the congregation or gathering of Chrome Dove. And the day is called from him Domnach Chrome Dove, or Chrome Dove Sunday. Now called Garland Sunday by the English-speaking portion of the people in the surrounding districts. This name is supposed to have been derived from the practice of strewing garlands or flowers on the festive mound, or Mount Callan, on this day, as homage to Chrome Dove. Hence the name Garland Sunday. Quote, Assuredly I saw blossoms and flowers deposited upon it the first Sunday of August, 1844, and put some upon it myself, as I saw done by those who were with me. If you ask me whom Chrome Dove was, I can only tell you I asked the question myself on the spot. I was told that Chrome was a god, and that Dove, or Dua, meant a sacrifice, which in combination made Chrome Dove, or Chrome Dua, that is, Chrome's sacrifice. And this Sunday was set apart for the feast and commemoration of this Chrome Dove, whoever he may have been. End quote. It is interesting to find O'Looney's old time experiences in County Clare, so far borne out by this legend from North Mayo. The name Tediach given to Crom's son, is, as Mr. Lloyd acutely points out, founded upon a misunderstanding of the name of the hole in which must have been Polanchecha, the puffing or blowing hole. Down Patrick, where these events are supposed to have taken place, is at the extreme northern extremity of Tyrolli, County Mayo, and all the other places are in its neighbourhood. For the Leonan Sheed, or the fairy sweetheart, often supposed to be the muse of the poets, see O'Kearney's Feistihe Chunan, page 80 to 103. For the Irish of this story, see Lubna Kelly, page 33. The Story Before St. Patrick came to Ireland, there lived a chieftain in the lower country, in County Mayo, and his name was Crom Dove. Crom Dove lived beside the sea, in a place which they now call Dunpatrick, or Downpatrick, and the name which this site of his house is called is Dunbristy, or Broken Fort. My story will tell why it was called Dunbristy. It was well, and it was not ill, brother of my heart. Cromdouf was one of the worst men that could be found. But as he was a chieftain over the people of that country, he had everything his own way. And that was the bad way, 
for he was an evil-intentioned, virulent, cynical, obstinate man, with desire to be avenged on every one who did not please him. He had two sons, Tediach and Clonach, and there is a big hollow going in under the road at Glen Lazare, and the name of this hollow is Pola Tediach, or Tediach's Hole, for it got his name from Crom Dove's son, and the name of this hole is on the mouth of English-speaking people, though they do not know the meaning of it. Nobody knows how far this hole is going back under the glen, but it is said by the old Irish speakers that Tediach used to go every day in his little floating curragh into this hole under the glen, and that this is the reason it is called Tediach's Hole. It was well, my dear, to continue the story. Cromduff's two sons were worse than himself, and that leaves them bad enough. Cromduff had two hounds of dogs, and their names were Coen Oter and Saicha Suricha. And if ever there were wicked mastiffs, these two dogs were they. He had them tied to the jaws of the door in order to loose them and set them to attack people according as they might come that way. And, to go further, he had a big fire kindled on the brink of the cliff so that any one who might escape from the hounds he might throw into the fire. And to make a long story short, the fame of Cromduf and his two sons and his two mastiffs went far and wide for their evil doing. And the people were so terrified at his name, not to speak of himself, that they used to hide their faces in their bosoms when they used to hear it mentioned in their ears. And the people were so much afraid of him, that if they heard the bark of a dog, they would go hiding in the dwellings that they had underground, to take refuge in, to defend themselves from Crom Doof and his mastiffs. It is said that there was a Lenan she, or fairy sweetheart, walking with Crom Doof, and giving him knowledge according as he used to require it. In place of his inclination to what was good as he was growing in age, the way he went on was to be growing in badness every day, and the wind was not quicker than he, for he was as nimble as a march hare. When he used to go out about the country, he used to send his two sons and his two mastiffs before him, and they, announcing to the people according as they proceeded, that Cromduf was coming to collect his standing rent, and bidding them to have it ready for him. Cromduf used to come after them, and his trickster along with him, and he drawing after him a sort of yoke like a wheelless sliding car, and according as he used to get his standing rent, it used to be thrown into the car, and every one had to pay according to his ability. Any one who would refuse, he used to be brought the next day before Cromduf, as he sat beside the fire, and Crom used to pass judgment upon him, and after the judgment the man used to be thrown into the fire. Many a plan and scheme were hatched against Cromduf to put him out for the world, but he overcame them all, for he had too much wizardry from the fairy sweetheart. Cromduf was continuing his evil deeds for many years, and according to the story about him remains living and told from person to person. They say he was a native of hell in the skin of a biped, and through the horror that the people of the country had for him, they would have given all that they ever saw if only Cromduv and his company could have been put an end to. But there was no help for them that, since he and his company had the power, and they had to endure bitter persecution for years, and for many years, and every year it was getting worse. And they, without any hope of relief, because they had no knowledge of God or Mary, or of anything else which concerned heaven. For that reason, they could not put trust in any person beyond Cromduv, because they thought, bad as he was, that it was he who was giving them the light of the day, the darkness of the night, and the change of the seasons. It was well, brother of my heart. During this time, St. Patrick was going throughout Ireland, working diligently and baptizing many people. On he went until he came to Fuckle, or Fog Hill, and at that, that time, and for long afterwards, 
There were nothing but woods that grew in that place, but there is neither branch nor tree there now. However, to pursue the story, St. Patrick began explaining to the pagans about the light and glory of the heavens. Some of them gave ear to him, but the most of them paid him no attention. After he had taken all those who listened to him to the place which was called the Well of the Branch to baptize them, and when he had them baptized, the people called the well Tobar Forig, or Patrick's Well, and that is there ever since. When these pagans got the seal of Christ on their forehead, and the knowledge of the Holy Trinity, they began telling St. Patrick about the doings of Crom Duv and his evil ways, and they besought him, if he had any power from the Almighty Father, to chastise Crom Duv, rightly or wrongly, or to give him the Christian faith if it were possible. It was well, brother, St. Patrick passed on over through Troilacan, up Beltroche, down Crobach, and down under the Logan, the name that was on Crom Duv's place before St. Patrick came. When St. Patrick reached the Logan, which is near the present Ballycastle, he was within a quarter of a mile of Crom Duv's house, and at the same time Crom Duv and Teriach, his son, were trying about of wrestling with one another. While Saicha Suriga was stretched out on the ground from ear to tail, with the squeezing they were giving one another, they never observed St. Patrick making for them, until Saicha Suriga put a howling bark out of her, and with that the pair looked behind them, and they saw St. Patrick and his defensive company with him, making for them, and in the twinkling of an eye the two rushed forward, clapping their hands and setting Saichasurka at them and encouraging her. With that, Tediach put his forefinger in his mouth and let a whistle calling for Koenjotr, for she was at the same time hunting with Clonach on the top of Glenlazare, and Glenlazare is nearly two miles from Dunforig, but she was not as long as while you'd be saying Duresius, coming from Glenlazare, when she heard the sound of the whistle. They urged the two bitches against St. Patrick, and at the same time they did not know what sort of man St. Patrick was, or where he came from. The two bitches made for him, and coals of fire out of their mouths, and a blue venomous light burning in their eyes, with the dint of venom and wickedness. But just as they were going to see St. Patrick, he cut a ring around about him, with the crozier which he had in his hand, and before the dogs reached the verge of the ring, St. Patrick spoke as follows. A lock on thy claws, a lock on thy tooth, a lock on Con Otter of the Fury, a lock on the son and of the daughter of Saichasurica, a lock quickly, quickly on you. Before St. Patrick began to utter these words, there was a froth of foam round their mouths, and their hair was standing up as strong as harrow pins with their fury. But after this, they came nearer to St. Patrick, and they began to lay down their ears and wag their tails. And when Cromduv saw that, he had like to faint because he knew, when they laid down their ears, that they would not do any hurt to him they were attacking. The moment they reached St. Patrick, they began jumping up upon him and making friendly with him. They licked both his feet from the top of his great toe to the butt of his ankle, and that affection, thus manifesting itself, is amongst dogs from that day to this. St. Patrick began to stroke them with his hand, and he went on making towards Cromduf, with the dogs walking at his heels. Cromduf ran until he came to the fire, and he stood up beside the fire, so that he might throw St. Patrick into it when he should come as far as it. But as St. Patrick knew the strength of the fire beforehand, he lifted a stone in his hand, signed the sign of the cross on the stone, and flung the stone so as to throw it into the middle of the flames. And on the moment the fire went down to the lowest depths of the ground, in such a way that the hole is there yet to be seen, from that day to this, and it is called Pol Nishan Tween, the hole of the old fire, 
and when the tide fills, the water comes in to the bottom of the hole, and it would draw deaf cows out of the woods, the noise that comes out of the hole when the tide is coming in. It was well, company of the world, when Krondoof saw that the fire had departed out of sight, and that the dogs had failed him and given him no help, a thing they had never done before. He himself, and Tediak, struck out like a blast of March wind, until they reached the house, and St. Patrick came after them. They had not far to go, for the fire was near the house. When St. Patrick approached it, he began to talk aloud with Cromdoof, and he did his best to change him to do a good state of grace, but it failed him to put the seal of Christ on his forehead, for he would not give any ear to St. Patrick's words. Now there was no trick of deviltry, druidism, witchcraft, or black art in his heart, which he did not work for all he was able, trying to gain the victory over St. Patrick, but it was all no use for him, for the words of God were more powerful than the deviltry of the fairy sweetheart. With the dint of the fury that was on Cromdouve, and on Tadiak his son, they began snapping and grinding their teeth, so outrageous was their fury that St. Patrick gave a blow of his crozier to the cliff under the base of the gable of the house, and he separated that much of the cliff from the cliffs on the mainland, and that is to be seen there today, just as well as the first day, and that is the cliff that is called Dunbristi, or Broken Fort. To pursue the story, all that much of the cliff is a good many yards out into the sea from the cliff on the mainland, so Crom Doof and his son had to remain there until the midges and the skull crows had eaten the flesh off their bones, and that is the death that Crom Doof got, and that is the second man that midges ate. And our ancient Shanachies say that the first man that the midges ate was Judas after he hanged himself, and that is the cause why the bite of the midges is so sharp as it is. To pursue the story still further, when Clonach saw what happened to his father, he took fright, and he was terrified of St. Patrick, and he began burning the mountain until he had all that side of the land set on fire. So violently did the mountains take fire on each side of him that himself could not escape, and they say that he himself was burned to a lump amongst them. St. Patrick returned back to Fuckel and ran through Bailinaparka, the town of the field, in Benbui, the Yellow Ben, and back to Clochar. The people gathered in multitudes, from every side doing honourable homage to St. Patrick, and the pride of the world on them that an end had been made of Crom There was a well near and handy, and he brought the great multitude round about the well, and he never left mother's son or man's daughter without setting on their faces the wave of baptism and the seal of Christ on their foreheads. They washed and scoured the walls of the well, and all round about it, and they got forked branches and limbs of trees and bound white and blue ribbons on them, and set them round about the well, and every one of them bowed down on his knees, saying their prayers of thankfulness to God, and as an entertainment for St. Patrick, on account of his having put an end to the sway of Crom Duve. After making an end of offering up their prayers, every man of them drank three sups of water out of the well, and there is not a year from that out that the people used not to make a tourist or pilgrimage to the well on the anniversary of that day, and that day is the last Sunday of the seventh month, and the name of the Irish speakers called the month by, in that place, is the month of Luchnas, August, and the name of the Sunday is Cromdoof's Sunday, but the name of the English speakers called the Sunday by is Garland Sunday. There is never a year from that to this that there does not be a meeting in Kilchwimen, for that is the place where the well is, 
They come far and near to make a pilgrimage to the well, and the number of people go there too, to amuse themselves and drink and spend, and I believe that the most of that rakish lot go there making a mock of the Christian Irish speakers, who are offering up their prayers to their holy patron Patrick, high head of their religion. Quimmin's Well is the name of this well, for its name was changed during the time of St. Quimmin, on account of the, all the miraculous things he did there. He is buried within a perch of the well in Kilquimmin. There does be a gathering on the same Sunday at Doonporig, or Down Patrick, at the well which is called Tobarbrige, or Bridget's Well besides Kilbrige, and close to Doombristi. But, love of my heart, since the English jargon began a short time ago, in that place the old Christian custom of the Christians is almost utterly gone off. There now ye have it as I got it, and if ye don't like it, add it to your complaints. End of chapter 1